there was something about that idea of mm. leaving someplace and basically giving it up for dead and then for the resurrection of it that I found really fascinating. Hello, I'm Jackson Howard, assistant editor at FSG, and I'm here with Thomas Gratton, the author of The Recent East. And in this episode of Well-Versed, we'll be discussing Tom's forthcoming novel and how it came to be. So, Tom, I'm very happy to be here discussing The Recent East. The book is an extraordinary family saga following a mother and two teens as they navigate a new life in East Germany. Everyone talked about the West as if it were a secret. They leaned in to share stories of its grocery stores that carried fresh oranges, its cars with built-in radios, covered their mouths to mention a Dusseldorf Boulevard that catered to movie stars and dictators, whole Eastern month's salaries spent on face cream. There were entire whispered conversations about its large houses and overstuffed stores, its borders crossed with a smile and a flick of one's passport. Some talked about it as if it were the most boring thing, others like it was an uppity friend, but everyone talked about it, also pretended it never crossed their minds. Whenever Beata heard these stories, she felt frightened, because its freedoms seemed vast, because each story said something different, the West a puzzle she couldn't begin to solve. Now Beata's mother stood in her doorway, coat on, pulled back hair, turning her face peevish and alert like a nun's, and told her they were going there. West, West? Beata asked. Saying it once will do, Moody answered. And it's one of the finest debut novels I have read, maybe ever. I love it so much. And <laughs> thank you for doing this podcast. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks, Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess, yeah, I think it'd be interesting. This is your first book. Mm -hmm. uh, you're still teaching middle school right now. You did get an MFA, but I, I think it'd be interesting to talk about how the book came to be on your end. How long has it taken for you to write it? Did you work on it? On your MFA, how's the balance been with teaching? Kind of yeah. story getting to where you are right now. Um, so I guess all told, it probably took about eight years. That includes whatever the last year and a half of the final editing and things. But still, it took a while. Um, how did it come to be? I mean, so there are pieces of it that are very loosely based on some sort of family history. Right. My mom was born in East Germany just at the end of World War II. And when she was, I think, four, my uh, grandfather in particular, my grandmother wanted to stay. My grandfather was like, because they had originally been from West Germany before there was a, any sort of distinction between East and West. And right. so he wanted to go back West. They got these fake passports. They went over in, in a truck. They left their house behind. And so um, in 1989, when the wall fell, and shortly after that, um, property was getting returned to people. And my grandfather was no longer alive. My grandmother was. She had no interest in sort of pursuing anything with it and just got a tiny bit of money for it because it was really falling apart, the house, apparently. But there was something about that idea of mm. leaving someplace and basically giving it up for dead and then for the resurrection of it that I found really fascinating. And right. when I was a kid, I spent every summer in Germany for at least four, six weeks um, with my family there. And my grandmother, she was like a very involved grandmother. So she would be at our place for like in the States for like a month or two as well. So mm -hmm. I had a lot of immersion in my German life, even though I'm very much American. So there's just something about that sort of being American, but also having this connection to this country. That's where the, the impetus for the book came. And I had sort of lots of other ideas. I mean, it took, it was a while after my MFA before I actually started this book. I had other ideas that just didn't work. 
so I wasn't working on this in my MFA. Um, did you try to find an agent after the MFA or how did that happen? No, cause I didn't, cause I just didn't feel like I had something finished enough. Mm. Um, so I had been a middle school teacher before and then I did my MFA and then I had, I worked as an adjunct, et cetera, et cetera, for a while. And then I went back to middle school teaching because at one point I had six part-time jobs. And I'm like, this is, this is a full-time job with so many hours on the train and no health insurance. So yeah, so I was teaching the whole time I was working on the book. I was a full-time middle school, seventh and eighth grade English teacher. And wow. um, so, which is probably why it also took a long time. I, the summers were great because I really then had like a couple of months to really intensively work on it. But um, during the school year, I developed this habit of getting up every morning at 5.15 and writing for an hour before I oh went to work. Oh my gosh. Um, which I, it drove my partner crazy. He was just like, <laughs> it woke him up and he hated it. But there was something weird and I wouldn't even, I wouldn't have coffee. I would sort of be happy. And some of the ideas that I think are kind of magical in the book, I think they happen then. I don't even really remember writing them. Like hmm. there's a whole haircut narrative that I think, yes. I don't really remember how that, but I think just, I, I was half asleep and I was like, let's go with this. And so there's something about that. And I kind of love being the only person up in the world. It felt like my own time. So it took a long time because it, I had had these really intensive few months in the summer. And then for most of the year, it would just be like an hour and then some week, and then weekends. So, and then the book, I guess I had the idea with the house and this family coming there, but it just, I decided to write a pretty big book as a first book. As yeah, book. it is. So, um, it ended up being really a process of subtraction. Like when I, the first wasn't even a draft, it was just this document of ideas and it was, it was more than a thousand pages of just blah, just like throwing up wow. information, right? And then every time I would share it with friends, they're like, "You gotta pick some lanes." I was like, because I felt <laughs> I fell in love with the world of the story, and then I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And there's there's this piece where Michael is really into going into these houses and sort of stealing things in these half empty houses, and I got so into that. And a friend of mine was like, "It's great for ten pages, but not for fifty five And then and so yeah. so really, the sense that I, it took me a while to sort of pick and to really. So it was, a, it was the whole book was really a, like a process of subtraction. And so then I didn't really start looking for an agent until I tried, I think, with an earlier draft that it wasn't really ready. And so I, that, that went nowhere. And then when I tried again, I met Jody, um, Jody Khan, and it was this really, it was basically like an agent speed dating thing. She's like, it's right. ridiculous. You like pay like 50 bucks or whatever. They read like 10 pages. It was, but we were both kind of like, okay, this is ridiculous. But, but maybe it was a scam, but you were going to do it. You know, and the, the people seem reputable and I knew what agencies they're from and things. But I, so I was being very bashful about sending it out and meeting people. So it was just, yeah. I felt, it was like, great. My friend was like, just, let's just do it. So we did. And of course we had like, have like two glasses of wine beforehand just to go to this thing because it felt really weird. <laughs> yeah. Felt like a terrible internet date. I was like, mm -hmm. what am I doing? And then the person I met was Jody, and she, um, she had read the first chapter and she was very pleasantly surprised. And then like later on, when we officially started working together, she's like, you know, Tom, I don't usually meet people at work. Yeah, at that situation. So that was kind of just a lucky break. And she really got the book and really appreciated it right away. Yeah. Which was fantastic. Did she have edits on the book too? She did. <laughs> like everyone else, she was like, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, we need to cut it. We need, I mean, it was, um, yeah, it was too long. And then, so a lot of it was about picking some lanes and sort of just removing certain storylines that were interesting, but just made the book far too long. So, which is yeah. what we also did eventually. No, I know, which is basically <laughs> the, the whole editing process. I mean, the first draft, which was such, it was, it was a very messy little thing. I shouldn't say little thing, but a friend of mine who's actually an FSG writer, uh, Marie Bertino read it 
And she was just like, Tom, there's so much information here. There aren't that many scenes because you're just trying to give me so much. And I was like, oh, Jesus, I didn't even realize. I was just, I basically wrote like a 400 page summary. There were so many avenues I wanted to explore in the book and so many pieces Mm. that were interesting. My writing process is not always this labored, but it really was for this book. And also in a way, because there were certain elements that were a little autobiographical, I think in revising, I had to sort of do things to make the characters less autobiographical because I think I was being too kind to them initially too. I wasn't because I remember. Yeah. So I had to kind of make them a little meaner. I mean, the Bayata, the mother character, like weirdly, like giving her a sex life very much made it feel like I wasn't writing about my mother anymore. I bet. I bet. Right. No, I, I, I remember some of my notes were like, I'm sorry to do this, but this has to be more violent or this has to be more gut wrenching or we have to, hate this person a little bit more. And yeah, I remember having to say that to you a few times. Yeah, and I, which is good. Because the thing is for me, like I hate stuff that's over the top. Sometimes I veer on the side of subtlety too far. Mm. I mean, weirdly, but in this book, there's a lot of plot stuff. So maybe it doesn't seem like that. But I, but sometimes I think I'm a little withholding. When I don't want to play, I just don't want to show my hand in that particular way. And so I think you were like, no, this is a big moment. We need the violence right. to sort of show up on the page in a more right. direct way. So that was an incredibly useful <laughs> I'm glad. No, it was great. Yeah. I remember, I think ultimately we, we ended up cutting like 30 pages, 40 pages. Yeah, at least, maybe even more. Also very early on, like just in terms of the structure, like I mm. I decided to have, because in the first draft I had all this backstory of Beata's childhood and it just felt really clunky moving in and out of backstory. So that's when I yeah. sort of created those separate chapters of her. I wrote them as separate, totally separate documents and I called them like interludes or whatever, but they're different ones that sort of show her trajectory from having left the city in East Germany all the way until she um, meets the man, the American man she ends up marrying. Um, right. But, so um, I killed off the first boyfriend, if I recall. We killed off one. And then, uh, we, oh, and also Jody and I <laughs> killed off another one. There was a whole <laughs> other one that Jody and I like, killed There was a whole group of boyfriends. There were a couple of boyfriends, yeah. But um, <laughs> I both loved the chapter that you and I cut, but I also understood narratively. It just slowed it down. Yeah. Like, and it was interesting, too, because because all your notes came through track changes. So like I, and you read it a few times. So the first time all your comments were like really excited about the chapter. And then like a week later, you're like, wait a minute. And I was like, oh, right. <laughs> once, you, once you had read the whole thing, you're like, yeah, I really like that. But now it's kind of, um, it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, that's what did it. I also learned editing. <laughs> it was true. That, it was uh, totally true. And then I actually yeah. took like maybe two paragraphs from that whole 18 page chapter mm-hmm. and I just zhuzhed it into another one. So yes, fine. I didn't feel like I needed to do two distinct rounds of editing because you know you're such a polished writer and it just depends on the book but in that case i did a kind of macro and micro edit at the same time which is probably why i had a double take moment of wait this isn't working for me no i get Um, it i totally get it it made total sense to me too well good well the book is in great shape now and it's under 400 pages which was my goal and we got it there yeah Um, well as you know the book came to me in a, in a very non-traditional way. I was still an editorial assistant and I had only acquired one book a year before. And mm-hmm. I was desperately seeking something new fiction-wise. And the first book I published, Tears of the Truffle Pick, is amazing, but it's very different than your book. It's speculative and it's yeah, set on the no, border and it's not historical. And Fernando's voice is much different than yours. And so I didn't really know exactly what I was looking for, but I was having drinks with our mutual friend, Catherine, who's a children's scout, not even for adult, and told her about some of the books I'm looking for. And she said that she had a friend whose book was about to be submitted and it was amazing. And usually when a scout 
says that, I begrudgingly, well, usually when a scout says that, I don't do anything. In this case, she implored me to email Jody, who at the time I did not know. And since I had nothing going on really for me, I was, I just said, screw it. And I emailed Jody. So that's how the book came to me. It wasn't submitted traditionally to right, me. I had I to know, go, I remember. Yeah. I had to go source it. And then, like you said, it was a kind of hefty draft. And I was a little intimidated by how long it was, but I had to get on an airplane a day or two after receiving it to go to. AWP, the writers' conference in Portland, mm-hmm. and plane for some reason didn't have Wi-Fi, so from New York to Portland, I had nothing to do, and I figured mm-hmm. I would check out this book, and I ended up reading, I think over half, maybe two thirds of it on the plane. And the moment I got off the plane, I called Sean, the publisher of MCD, and was like, "We need to talk about this." So, uh, <laughs> very much like a fairy tale type acquisition process, and I didn't it's like we got in there early enough and didn't have to battle other people for it um which was great because i'm yeah. sure there was going to be more interest and then they all missed out but for me you know i was looking for and i i you know you and i talked about this when i bought the book but it's important to me as as a queer guy to publish different types of queer stories and that that aren't the kind of just traditional coming out story that we've been served so many times that is just right. full of pain and abuse and violence and you know, that's like one individual fighting against a horrible world. I mean, that is true for a lot of people <laughs> in fiction and in real life. Yeah, yeah. But I guess I had read enough masochistic coming out stories to not want that. And, you know, Michael, who's arguably the main character, or one of the main characters of your book, his coming out story is at once very universal, but it's also very specific to kind of the quirks and it's specific to his quirks and also the circumstances of his time and of his family and of where he is in the world. And for me, the most memorable part is he goes to Berlin for pride uh, Mm -hmm. when he's a young man with his straight cousin and has a night of antics. And I really loved that. And uh, he's kind of, you know, feeling overwhelmed and Mm -hmm. excited, but also sad, lost kind of in the midst of this huge mass of queer people um, was really moving to me and it it felt like a different type of book. What I also appreciated is that this isn't a story that has a perfectly wrapped up happy ending. I mean, we get to a kind of calmer place by the end of the book, but Mm -hmm. a lot of things have broken along the way. And I also, you know, I feel like Michael's relationship with his body and his queerness in that sense, um, Mm -hmm. it's not like he ends in squalor and death and it's not like he ends up married buying a white picket fence right. it's more of a kind of complex negotiation and reconciliation with reality and i i really appreciated that and that was one of the big things that drew me into the book because i certainly love editing books that i don't see myself in but it's also still great to see that and i identified with michael so much when i first read the book and i think you're probably going to hear a lot of that once the book comes out <laughs> i feel like he's a character probably in the book who has the biggest capacity for joy in a way. Like mm. he's a very joyful character. And I think this move to this weird sort of half abandoned city in East Germany for him actually ends up being a very liberating thing. And right. so there are some issues and there's certainly drama and complication. And yet there's something very expansive about him as a character. And yes. um, and that was really fun to write. So I think that became really interesting. Whereas I think the other two main characters, Beata and Adela are a little more muted. There's mm-hmm. something about him he very he really like fills the space and he, he became a really 
even in moments when things were really hard and difficult in, in the story, I feel like there's this particular wit and this worldview that I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. I enjoy exploring a story where there is pain and sadness and difficulty, but there's also, there's a lot of joy and exploration at the center of it. And so that's, so he became really, and I, and I think especially in, in contrast to the other two characters, I think he, sure. that became very necessary in the narrative for him to sort of engage with the, with the world of the story really differently. Sure. Pivoting to the cover, which I love so much that mm -hmm. Alex Merito designed, we came really close to going with a different cover. Yeah. And yeah, I guess I wanted to hear what that process was like. I'm sure you had an image in mind maybe of what your long gestating book was going to look like. How did that, I guess, collaboration go for you? And, you know, going back to the drawing board and feeling yeah. confident with what we had. And it was fun because for me, I am... Um... I thought I had ideas and then suddenly when I got all these questions that, that I had to answer about, I, then it became a lot harder. But so then I started just pulling like images and other covers that I liked and I sent some of those to you. And yeah, yeah. also you told me who was going to design it before I'd seen yes. anything <laughs> in his work. And I was just, I found, I think I was very reassured because everything that I saw that he had done was really cool and beautiful and yeah, striking. And, and I actually love both covers. I mean, the first one, it's very different. I mean, it sort of had this deconstructed house that right. I thought was really beautiful. And the, and the way he used color in that one was amazing. But, um, but I did love that. that. I really love that. People at MCD were thinking because it takes place on the Baltic and the, and the water plays a really big role in the story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think the image, the photograph that was sort of used in the cover is beautiful. I love the use of the pink so much. I love sort of the way it kind of particularly under the word a novel, the pink bleeds into the water. I just yeah, I, it's amazing. So, so I mean, I was a little worried after because I liked I liked the first one so much, and then when you were like we're going a different way, I was like oh no, and I just was worried that <laughs> I, I, will, I will never love anything like I love this cover. Like I got very dramatic and and just was like it's going to be terrible. But then of course the second one was really gorgeous. Yeah, and I ended up feeling like actually the second one is the right one. I think in I terms think so of too. in terms of the scope of the book, and it's just a little more open-ended in terms of whereas there were certain elements of the first one that are maybe like a, a little more literally connected to certain I mean there is a house and it was sort of this house right so I, I just think this one is both really beautiful and intriguing and I think it's it's you mm -hmm. know it's, it's one of those covers if I saw in a bookstore I'd be like what is this and you know that's what, that's, that's good then <laughs> so I yeah like I mean I think it goes back to what you're saying about just paring things down the first one also it's so remarkable what cover designers have to do in terms of how they interpret especially with fiction, a book right. into a piece of art. And the first one, I know Alex read the book and really loved it. He saw all those many different strands, you know, narrative strands and thematic strands, and I think tried to intricately put them all together. And then on the other hand, the current cover is more of a macro shot. And right. um, it doesn't try and explain every last detail of the book, but actually gives you a feeling, which I think the best covers do, that you can look at and you get a sense of the feeling of the book. And, you know, you have the sea that looks vaguely Eastern European, and you have the one swimmer's body, and you have the glow of the pink, and it feels dramatic and nostalgic and solitary and gorgeous all at once. And he kind of did that in one fell swoop. So a good process. Last question. You know, this is your first book, obviously, this book tour is going to be different than we imagined. When we signed the book, what are you looking forward to? This has been a kind of calm moment for you because we did all the edits, we did the cover, the copy, got some right. great blurbs and we have galleys now, but now it's kind of a little lull moment when the publicity machine takes over and you are just kind of 
put out to pasture for a little bit. So what have you been stressing about or excited about? Or maybe you don't have an answer, but I'm sure you've yeah, been thinking no, about I, something. Of course, of course. <laughs> I have so many things to say. Um, it's been such a wild, complicated, sad year. Like somehow, yeah. like, there are moments where I was just like, will this ever come out? What, what is, what is even, it's like, it, some, it takes a long time to make a book. It takes a long right. time. Even just as the world is, it was, it almost felt like I, I think had it been a less calamitous year, I probably would have been thinking about it a lot more in a weird mm-hmm. way. So, um, I'm really excited that it's finally coming out and people are going to read it. I'm excited. I'm yeah. excited it's finally going to be out. I'm excited. Um, at the same time, <laughs> it's also terrifying because, yeah, you know, like, like I have some friends who have, had books published and they're like, oh, okay. So I'm starting now. You can never look at Goodreads. I'm like, okay, done. Yeah. No <laughs> like, Goodreads. Right. So several friends also, they talk about how with the book coming out, it's really exciting, but there's also the incredible vulnerability. And I don't mm. feel like I'm placed yet where I'm feeling really freaked out, but I feel like sooner rather than later, it'll just be like, it's because it really is like this. I mean, I, I spent so much time on this and, you know, I care yeah. so deeply this book and these characters so suddenly for it just to be out there in the world which is what i wanted and want so it's amazing but uh you know there's just these moments like oh this is a little scary and like you i think because when you're so busy just trying to finish it you, I right mean, at least for me i don't think about audience very much right which is good because then i recently um gave it to my mom to read and she oh, loved and- it also was a little surprised by all the queer sex in it she was like oh that was a, a lot for and i was like <laughs> but you can forget like because i was like oh you know you don't think about when you write these like pretty explicit things you're not like oh someday like my it wasn't that explicit okay that explicit i know but you know my mom right? yes anyway, that's it's not fair. like no it's true it's not that explicit but um it's like pg-13 explicit i would say really i think there's there's some dicks and things and yeah um, no it, there, it verges on it's a soft r maybe <laughs> okay anyway um so, but but it's more just like you forget about. Um, there'll be lots of different reactions. So I'm I'm both excited and I can't wait to hear what people think of it. Yeah, and I'm also that's also a double edged sword as all. But anyway, I'm mostly no, it's, excited. Uh, totally, I even feel for a long time nobody had read this book at FSG besides you know the higher ups and me. And right. so now having galleys and giving it to friends and we got a great review in Publishers Weekly and starting to get other people confirming that oh this book is fantastic and special and having their own personal reactions to it yeah that's a really affirming thing for me as an editor and so i can't even imagine it's multiplied infinitely for you as the writer so um well you only have three more months of relative sanity before everybody starts reading the book so good please everyone should i would love it if everyone read it everyone will read it that's the message of this podcast is everybody should read this book thank you so much for coming on I'm Jackson Howard, this was Tom Gratton, and this is Well Versed, The Recent East. Thank you so much, Tom. Thanks, Jackson.